Fear is contagious, but so is leadership. I knew that if I surrounded myself with great leaders, that that was going to be contagious. And the culture that we wanted, the atmosphere that we wanted, the direction that we wanted to go in, they were going to move us in that direction much faster than I could ever do by myself. It may be the worst of times elsewhere, but it really is the best of times in our organization right now. And a lot of that is because of the people that we have in our organization and the ownership that they have to create the life that they want here. The voice you just heard is Brian Stevenson, one of the most prolific developers of talent in the Cutco Vector Marketing Organization today. My name is Elizabeth Stevenson, and I'm Brian's wife. I witnessed Brian experience a real awakening in his business and in his life when he started truly taking advantage of the circle of influence around him. By defining a compelling vision for himself and his team, Brian began enrolling others in the process of building their success collectively. And he has been able to build a powerful inner circle of great achievers in his organization. I'm proud to be at the center of Brian's inner circle and to also be a fellow Hall of Fame sales achiever with Cutco. Together, Brian and I strive to be powerful role models for a new generation of representatives and managers in both the Southern Tide and Southeast Coast divisions, or as we lovingly call it, the Southeast Division, as well as throughout the entire company. I'm grateful to introduce you all today to the stories and insights of my rock star husband, Brian Stevenson. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My guest today is Brian Stevenson one of the top division managers in Vector Marketing. Brian has been in the company now since January of 2004. He started in Jackson, Mississippi, was notably influenced by Mr. Mark Bullard during that time. Brian became a district manager in 2007 in Birmingham, Alabama, spent some time in Alabama, then back in Mississippi, and ultimately back to Birmingham, where he became the division manager for the Southern Tide Division in January of 2015. Brian now is one of several elite division managers in the company who run two separate divisions. So he runs the Southern Tide Division, which is most of Alabama, parts of Mississippi. He also runs the Southeast Coast or SEC Division, which is the Gulf Coast of Louisiana and Mississippi and a Hall of Fame achiever in our company. So Brian Stevenson, thanks so much for making time to be on the podcast today. 
Yeah, Dan, thanks for having me. Really, really excited to be here. I've been listening to these. I think we're over 100 now. And as I told you earlier, I'm having to take Reese on walks daily to uh, help Liz. And this is definitely uh, what's on my iPad when we're walking. So it's been great to learn about our alumni and all the awesome people we work with. And I love sharing it at our conferences and just showing how great our people are that work with us. Yeah, we have a lot of great people and I'm looking forward to spotlighting your story here today. And thanks so much for your support of the podcast over the last year. It's definitely been great to see. Tell us a little bit about how you got started with Vector. Sure. I heard about it uh, from a flyer on campus. That's my battle cry. Every time we get ready to do campus recruiting, it's like I was a flyer. You could hand the next me a flyer on campus. But uh, yeah, I remember uh, the person I was walking to my car out of class and he handed me a flyer and it said $12 base pay and you know, had all the, the advertisement on it. So obviously I called and set an interview and went and interviewed that day. I remember I had to call my mom and she had obviously had Cutco for many years and, uh, you know, talked about how great it was and told me the story about a young college student that came and saw her and our whole neighborhood. And so obviously that excited me and I needed some money. I'd basically blown through all the money that I uh, had saved for my that I collected for my senior graduation and uh, blew through that first semester. So I was, I was looking for work and it found me at the right time, luckily. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. What do you feel were some of the early experiences and lessons you had that stand out? Yeah, I'd never sold anything before. So I was, I was a little nervous and I was excited about the $12 base pay. That's for sure. I remember just going, man, if I do 40 of these appointments, I'll get $12. It's going to be awesome. You know, and, <laughs> Lo and behold, so many people I saw already owned Cutco. And the good thing about that was it really built my confidence that people buy this stuff. And the bad thing was that I didn't really follow the manual or the blue book. I just kind of pulled it open and flipped through the pages. And because they already had Cutco, they bought more. So I almost had to retrain myself after a couple of months of, you know, doing that, which, you know, I guess is good and bad. But, you know, I really learned that self-accountability and that, I wanted to make money. And if I wanted to do well here, then I really had to own it. I really had to be responsible and put in the work and nobody else was going to do it for me. You know, I was not the best student. I would skirt by based off talent and maybe smoozing of my teachers. And, you know, naturally I was was good at pretty much everything that I did sport-wise. I didn't have to put a ton of work into it. But this was one of those things where, as you know, if you want to be good here, you really do have to master your craft. And after a couple of months of not really taking it serious, I saw people that were not only making good money, but really growing and changing. I remember seeing people in my own office just changing and being more confident people and more on top of things and better students and you know thinking differently, acting differently, having better circles of influence and better networks. And I aspired to that. So that's when I really started taking it serious and going on what we call field trainings. You know, I would grab the top representatives and go on field trainings with them. And I think it was two or three weeks into the job, Mark uh, took me to our first year in banquet. And I remember seeing Curtis JQs get recognized for selling $77,000 in Cutco. And that just blew my mind. I was like, holy crap, that's so awesome. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this past year in banquet, he got recognized for selling $1.1 million in Cutco. <laughs> and I know. Year, my mind was blown. But you know, I remember asking them questions and they just they kept going, look, I was where you were at one point in time. Keep studying, keep growing, keep getting better. And always tried to 
model what the best people were doing, you know, whether that be watching Vector Connect videos or reaching out to people and going field training with them. And but those were some early experiences and that carried over into uh, personal life uh, habits. You know, if I wanted to create better savings habits, if I wanted to create better eating habits, then I really had to be diligent and work hard at that. And a lot of those Cutco habits carried over into my personal life, which helped immensely as well. Yeah. There's an old saying or an old quote from a book written many, many years ago by a guy named James Allen, where he wrote, circumstances do not make a man, they reveal him. And I think about that quote a lot when I think about what happens when people start working in Vector. Because we are fully responsible for our own results in Vector. We get a lot of guidance and we get a lot of training and this and that, but ultimately we're responsible for what we create in Vector. And that applies from sales rep all the way on up. And because of that, it reveals a lot about us, right? It reveals where we're strong. It reveals where we have areas of opportunity also. You're somebody that you know had a lot of natural talent when you first came in here. A good communicator, right? Gregarious personality, was good in sports, competitive, etc., and there's a lot of people like that in Vector. And that's enough to succeed at a certain level, but it's not enough to become really great here, right? It takes a level of learning and really like embracing that challenge of learning and growth and digging in to become truly great here. And the Vector job really reveals that for people. And it's so good to have that revealed when you're you know, 19 years old versus later on in life when you get into a job and struggle because... You don't have all the right skill set to do well. So it's cool that you had all those experiences as a 19-year-old. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say the last thing is my manager, Mark Bullard. Luckily, he saw something in me in those early months of not doing everything right and really took it upon himself to spend a lot of one-on-one time with me and you know make phone calls with me, sometimes even for me, take me on demos so he could show me how to do it the right way and really really spent more time than he probably needed to, had to, or even wanted to sometimes to make sure that I was developing into a great rep. And that's something that I'll never forget. And it has served me even as a district manager, a division manager to this day that I try to do with people that I see the same thing that he saw in me and, and them. And, you know, just the culture that he built of having fun, the atmosphere, the relationships of really pouring into people and taking time to get to know them. So that way he could know what, what were my main motivators. So that way he could help me achieve those goals were lasting impressions that have really helped me be a great manager. Yeah, that's fantastic to hear. I know that your career has traveled along a relatively interesting path. That It, it hasn't just been this straight upward line of success. And you've gone through periods of uncertainty. And I would love to hear a little bit about when you feel like were was a period of the greatest uncertainty for you and how you were able to move past that to the success you're having now. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. You know, when I first went out as a manager, I had success early on as a new manager and relative to other new managers. We were the number five new office in the region my first uh, eight months. And through just things that I had learned as an assistant manager in my office with Mark, prepared me to have that success. But I didn't really understand how to be a business owner. 
I really didn't understand how to spin all the plates and really scale the business. And some of that was business habits, but also personal habits. I was 22 years old and uh, my personal habits weren't the best. You know, I was not great with my money. I was not great with my time, but because I knew the business so well and I knew how to create CPO, I could do some of the right things sometimes and get the business going in the right direction to, to kind of get me out of the hole or the slump. And that went on for a few years. And then I remember after I met Elizabeth, my wife now, she really challenged me to get it in gear and grow up, so to speak. But the biggest thing that happened was Mark sat me down and he showed me the sales reports. And I got in the bubble of just looking at divisional reports and I was number three or number two sometimes, you know, number four. And yeah, you know, we're not doing that bad, but we were also in a, in a brand new division that wasn't developed and it didn't have a lot of veteran district managers or Hall of Fame district managers. And so when he showed me the region report and then even the national report and really challenged me to think, this is where you're at. You're number 34 in the region and number 200 nationally. Like, do you think that's a reflection of who you are? And I was like, no, you know, and I got defensive and you know, I remember even getting angry. And, uh, <laughs> but that conversation really shook my tree and put things into perspective. And, uh, I was like, all right, I'm all in, I'm ready to go. And nothing changed <laughs> right, for the next month or two. So I remember, you know, Elizabeth, we had been dating for two years at the time and she was like, look, I mean, you know, we either need to get this going, get this in the right direction, or maybe we should do something else. Or she never said this, but I could tell that she was maybe even going, maybe I need to go somewhere else. You know, maybe I need to find someone else. And uh, I remember going to SLC or SLC conference in uh, 2012 and I was done. I was going to quit. And I already had the conversation with Mark. And I can't remember if I had it with Lloyd at SLC or not, but I didn't really take the first two days serious. And I remember the third day I slept in. And I said, you know, out of respect for the company, I need to go down there and show face. You know, if I'm leaving, I want to I do it right. They've been great to me. And I remember walking in and Earl Kelly was giving a wrap up. And you probably remember this, Dan. It was the uh, SLC where it was really centered around personal development. John Maxwell, a lot of people were doing the John Maxwell seminars. And Earl, you know, it felt like he was looking right at me. Of course he wasn't because when you're on stage, you can't even see past the first row. And I'm in the back left corner, you know, sneaking in. But, you know, it looks like he was just laser eyes looking at me. And he's like, if you can't succeed in Vector, how are you going to succeed somewhere else? When we have all the tools you need, to do well here. If you're struggling mm -hmm. in any part of the business, you can pick up the phone and call a handful of people that will be more than willing to help find the answers, find the solutions. And he said, in my experience, what I've found is that people leave thinking the grass is going to be greener on the other side. And then what happens is the reason they weren't successful in the first place was because of their habits. And they take the same bad habits somewhere else. And then they have, you know, they don't have success there either. A lot of times they even do worse somewhere else. And then it's really a confidence killer. And I just remember going home and telling Liz, like, I can't leave. I got to make this right because I go somewhere else and I don't do well. Like, man, that's going to be really bad. So I remember calling Lloyd and going, look, we need to have a call every week. And just really wrapping my arms around Mark, really wrapping my arms around Lloyd. And this was October of 2012. So it didn't change in November. It didn't change in December, right? It wasn't an overnight change, which nothing ever is, right? But uh, 
remember having a conversation with Lloyd going, man, the biggest thing that I'm struggling with, Lloyd, is, you know, when, whenever Thanksgiving comes around or Christmas or a wedding or time with friends, I feel like I'm having to choose, do I have to stay here to make sure my business doesn't fall apart? Or can I go and enjoy time with friends and family? And, you know, he started talking to me about our assistant manager program. And he said, you know, Brian, you got to get more people around you that can help. Kind of like our family, you know, there's seven of us, you know, so anytime we get ready to do the dishes and clean up the kitchen, we get all seven, me and Tim, get all seven of us involved. And I mean, <laughs> in no time. And that's where the 7 a.m. program was born. Wow. And I was like the guinea pig for that, right? <laughs> and sure enough, you know, he helped me line up my 7 a.m.s for the next summer. And uh, we went from, in the summer 2012, in the same office, same territory, selling $132,000 on like 80-something recruits to the next summer recruiting almost 300 people and selling over a half a million dollars and being the number one district manager in our region. And uh, two years later, promoting to DVM. And wow. uh, that was an impactful time when Mark came down and cross-trained with my office and stopped me from running an interview or running training or doing a staff meeting and showed me how to do it the right way. And also told the staff, Hey, this is how it's supposed to be done. This is how our pilot does it. And that was so huge for me, Dan, because in the next couple of weeks, anytime I did something that was maybe the wrong way because of a bad habit, my staff would go, Hey, remember, that's not the way we, we need to do it. And it really forced me to do it right and, yeah. and emulate the pilot office. And so I'm so grateful that he took the time out of his schedule of running the division and running his pilot to come spend a week in our pilot to make sure we were doing it right. And it was such a confidence booster at the end of that summer knowing, man, I didn't work any harder. I wasn't at the office more this summer than last summer. I didn't work harder this summer than last summer. I just did the little things right. And I followed the programs that work. And that was such a big, big moment for my career. And then obviously surrounding myself with a good staff, not only helped us do better, made the business so much more fun. And right. uh, we haven't had 7 AMs. We haven't had less than 7 AMs in our office, in an office that I oversee at any point, in any time, in any campaign since that summer of 2013. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with people that were part of your staff that could help with the vision and the goals became a big key to your progress. And for anybody who's a new district manager, if you're running a business by yourself, it sucks. But when yeah. you have that team around you, it really makes a big difference. I want to touch upon a few things you said in there, Brian, because I feel like the, a lot of good insights came out of that. First off, the message from Earl Kelly that you listened to that helped you realize, you know, the sort of the grass is greener syndrome that a lot of people tend to get. I've told a story many, many times, maybe you've heard me say it once or twice, of a, it was a rep that I had in my office quite a few years ago who had a little bit of success and then kind of hit a little bit of a wall and came to me and said, I'm going to quit. I want to go work somewhere else. I need something more consistent. You know, kind of had all these sort of excuses why he wanted to move on to a different job. And I said to him, Here's the problem with all of what you just said. I said, wherever you go, you're still there. And he kind of took that in like he was stunned for a second. But I knew I had a good enough relationship that I could be that direct with him and explain to him, like, if you're looking for something that's going to be consistent, consistency is going to be based on your habits and your effort. It's not based on what somebody else 
does for you, right? You don't want to go work somewhere where somebody's telling you when to show up and when to leave and what to do while you're there. And you know, you're basically renting your time for a tiny little paycheck in a job like that, right? And it's so important for people to understand the role that we play in our own success, that we are the driver of our own success, our growth, our development, our skill development, right? Brian Tracy taught many years ago something that I always remember. He said, you should always view yourself as the president and CEO of your own personal services corporation, right? He called it You Yourself Incorporated. You're the president and CEO of You Yourself Incorporated. And whatever company you're working for, that's your client, right? You're bringing your personal services to them, but you're the president of your own company and focusing on developing yourself, developing your skills, developing the value you can bring to the marketplace. That's how we advance. That's how we get better. And it just seems like you went through some time where you maybe weren't exemplifying that and then you got it. You took control of your own future and you started to really make progress. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm forever grateful that that was the path that I I took. And in the moment, I wasn't. You know, when we weren't doing well, I wasn't. Like you talked about, you know, when you don't have a full staff and things aren't going right, it sucks. You know, you'd rather be anywhere else. But when it's going right and you're doing the right things, you don't want to be anywhere else. And, you know, because I had that experience, it's, I feel like for me, it's a lot easier for me to empathize with my new managers when they go through those situations. Um, you know, yeah. you talked about AEM culture. In my experience, Dan, for us, our AEMs are who change the culture, not me. So if I can get them to buy in to the culture that we want to have and they speak it into existence, because all of the reps, they follow what the AMs are doing. But if they're emulating the culture and they're living the culture, then the, the reps are going to, they're going to follow them. You know, I, I've heard you say this many times about opening up the calendar and, and finding a date. Hey, I'm committing to this date. And that's what I did with Mark. We, we opened up the calendar, said, I'm committed to next August. So from October 12th to August 2013, I said, I'm committed to this date. I'm going to do everything you tell me to do. I'm going to follow everything you ask me to do until then, because I want to end the right way. And of course, obviously that date comes around and, you know, you, you've got 14 management candidates and you're kicking butt. You don't want to go anywhere. Exactly. But I've used that with managers for years and I've never had someone commit to a date and really be committed to it and do the right things until that date and leave. They've always stayed there. They always turned it around because they took ownership of their success. And obviously the ones that kept having one foot in, one foot out, they went elsewhere. And like you said, they were still there. And in my experience, and this is just my experience, I've never had someone leave and find success elsewhere, you know, with the habits that they had here that were causing them failures. But I've had people that have left with great habits and on top, and they're still doing great things elsewhere. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And as Earl said, this is a great place to be able to gain those habits, right? Gain those skills because of all the support that we have. Brian, what you're sharing, I feel like is directly applicable to a lot of people right now because we're in the midst of an extremely uncertain period in the world. And that by all means has touched our business in many ways. Also, we've figured out how to thrive pretty quickly in this uncertain period at the corporate level. And we're having great success in Vector this summer. It looks like it's going to end up being our best year ever. But I don't know that every single manager in the company is experiencing that. Some might not have their sea legs yet. Some might not have figured it out. And they're going through uncertainty. They're going through challenge. And what advice would you have for those people who might be struggling a little bit in the summer of 2020 
to figure things out? The first thing I'd say is you're not alone. You're not the first and it's okay. And uh, one week, one month, one campaign can change your career. And there is ample evidence of that happening to many, many people in our business to look at. There's plenty of stories to look at that, that prove that. The second thing I would say is that what you just hit on, Dan, our company has pivoted in less than a month's time and we're going to have our best year ever. So you're in the right place. And to think about maybe going elsewhere at a time of such uncertainty, I would really challenge that line of thinking. But to really hit on what they could do, my advice would be look at your circle of influence. Who are you talking to on a daily basis? I know for me, when things weren't going right, I would talk to some of the other DMs that were struggling and we would vent and complain and be negative. And we we fooled ourselves that it was productive. Like, man, we're so glad we have each other to talk to and get through these thoughts and get, you know, and vent. Pity party. Yeah, and it was bull crap, right? None of that helped. It only made it worse. So, you know, when I start changing my circle of influence and I started talking to people that were champions in the business, my results changed. My thinking changed. I thought bigger about what was possible. And what was really cool about that, not only did that change my business for the better, but I built really strong relationships with people in the business like Brian Herlman and Evan Keller and Drew Frank and some of the top people across the company. And these are people that I look so forward to hanging out with when we go to President's Banquet and winning company trips. And, you know, it just, it, it, it helps you really take your game to the next level, Dan, because you don't want to miss P Banquet. You know, I don't want to not be able to room with Evan and hang out and talk about how our families are doing and catch up. And I don't want to miss a company trip because, you know, I want to hang out with these people. These are friends uh, that, that, you know, we, we really cherish each other's friendships. So, um, so, so really challenge them on what's your circle of influence look like? Who are you talking to? And then the last thing is wrap your arms around your DVM. If you're a, obviously a branch manager, district manager, and your RM, they are committed to your success more so than you believe sometimes. And uh, if you wrap your arms around them, they're going to they're gonna take you where you want to be, right? And it's not, it's not always going to happen overnight. And a lot of times it may not even happen within, you know, a week or two or a month, right? But uh, if you commit to the process and, and, the, and the programs and you do the right things daily, it, you know, it will compound. And a lot of times you'll look back and go, man, that happened faster than I thought. In the moment, it seems like it's taken forever and it's never going to happen. But they're there to help you and they're, they're there to make sure you, you succeed, not only in the business, but out of the business. I mean, not only did my success in the business go up when I wrapped my arms around my division manager and, and Lloyd, I became a better significant other and now husband. I became better with my finances. I became better uh, with personal habits. So it helped me become a better person, a better human, which obviously helped become a better manager as well. Yeah, that's all really great stuff to hear, Brian. You referenced the culture shift in your organization and the idea that it's the assistant managers that have a powerful impact, speaking it into existence, right? I had the good fortune to be in Birmingham with you right at the start of a lot of this like really high-level success you're experiencing. And I can remember being out there and had a chance to go to your home at the time and meet a lot of your key people. And I could feel this specialness that was there. 
I don't really know how to describe it. I'm going to let you describe it. But there was something cool about the culture you had going on in your organization. And I would just love to hear about how that formed, how you built this positive culture and environment in your organization. Yeah. You know, just one last thing to hit on what we were talking about, uh, you know, with uncertainty. You know, I read this quote right when the pandemic started and it said, fear is contagious, but so is leadership. And that kind of hits on what you're leading into in this next question was that I knew that if I developed myself or, or surrounded myself with great leaders, that that was going to be contagious. And the culture that we wanted, that atmosphere that we wanted, the direction that we wanted to go in, they were going to move us in that direction much faster than I could ever do by myself. So when I was a district manager, a vet district manager in Mark Buller's division, you know, I, I remember when I was getting ready to get promoted to the division manager, he said, what, what do you want your division to be like? And I remember saying, I want it to be just like yours. <laughs> you know, I, I love our division. And he goes, I would advise you to, to make it your own, you know, maybe take some stuff that you like, but make it your own. And, you know, that really got me stimulated. I said, what do I want my division to be like? What do I really love the most about, you know, being in Vector? And, I started thinking about uh, the life that Mark had. And, and I was like, I want a life like that. I want a family like that. I want to be able to provide for my family like that. But I also want to be able to impact people like he did me. You know, I think about Lloyd Reagan and Tammy and the influence they are, are over so many people, not just as, you know, in Cutco, but, uh, you know, being better parents and being, you know, uh, an example of a thriving marriage and how excited and happy their kids are all the time. And, you know, John Carpenter, you know, just Stacey Campbell is just such great models of, uh, to look at for, for great husbands, great family men. And, you know, so that's what I want my division to be like. And I remember the very first meeting we had with the individuals you're talking about, uh, I painted this vision of, I want our organization to be a family. I want us to be in each other's weddings. I want us to raise kids together. I want us to travel the world together. I want us to buy homes together. I want us to build wealth together. And uh, that was something that, you know, kudos to them, they bought into from the get-go. And uh, those things are happening right now. I mean, we, we have people that are getting married and having kids and buying homes. And it's just so exciting to see you know, how our division and mainly Vector have been able to provide those things for them in their early 20s. And, uh, you know, not to say that they wouldn't have gotten married or had a home outside of Vector, but uh, but it definitely speeded that process up. And um, it's been exciting to help facilitate those things. But it, it also puts their goals into perspective because they're not just working to sell a lot of knives. They're working to sell a lot of knives so that way they can accomplish these life goals, uh, whether that be a homeowner or, you know, someone like Philip Tice, who's, you know, right out of college and has three investment properties and was able to graduate debt-free and is on the road to financial security at, a, at a, such a young age or same thing with McCall Simons. And, um, you know, so it's just exciting to see the vehicle that we have for our people to, to go in that direction. Um, yeah. So that's really where we started, Dan. That's uh, really cool to hear, Brian, how you looked at role models in your life like Lloyd and John Carpenter, Stacey Campbell, and thought, you know, I want to have that. And then kind of began to turn that around and paint that vision as you're building that for all your people 
to kind of come along with you and like, we are going to build this together, not just for me, Brian Stevenson, but for all of us, we are going to build this vision of life together. And you help people clarify their whys, it seems like, right? Mm -hmm. Because as you said, like we work so that we can have the things we want in our life, right? And helping people to clarify why they're busting their butts working and what will it do for them on a personal level. That seems like it was a very important part of that. I really learned early on from John Carpenter and Lloyd Reagan that it does take time, but if you take the time to really, really get to know your people, um, that uh, you'll, you'll figure out really quick what motivates them. And uh, once you know that, it, it's, it's a lot easier to help them get where they want to go. You know, yeah. a lot of times we try and get them to go where we want them to go, which is much harder. Yeah, exactly. What do you feel like are other key elements of your leadership philosophy, Brian? Well, I don't know if this, I'm sure you've heard this many a times, but uh, you know, I've always heard that uh, the way that you spell love is T-I-M-E. Mm-hmm. So making sure that we're getting a lot of time with our people. So that way they know we care. That when we say we want to help you earn this letter of recommendation, so that way uh, you know, it provides opportunities for dream internships and future job opportunities, or we want to help you pay your way through school, or we want to help you graduate debt-free. Are you really living that out? Are you really helping them build a better resume? Are you helping them type up their resume? Are you helping them network for those future internships and and jobs? Are you uh, making sure that they are on pace to graduate debt-free? So are are you living out the things that you're saying to your your people and and getting the time with them to make sure those things are happening is is very, very important. Uh, Next, I would just say vision. And, and making sure that you're, we're always painting a vision of where we're headed. Uh, that's something that uh, I admire so much from Lloyd you know, is just how great he is at painting vision of where we're headed and where we're going and the role that they're going to play in it, which would, I guess, bring me to my last point is giving them ownership. And, uh, you know, I always tell them, hey, guys, you know, my name's on the report, but this is our division. This is your division. And if we want to be a championship division, you know, it's gonna. That's gonna happen because of you guys. And uh, when we come up with agendas, and when we come up with you know innovative ideas, letting them have ownership in crafting those agendas and helping with conferences and being innovative in the things that we want to do moving forward. And obviously, at a time like this, you know they're they're thriving because they're they're feeling a lot of ownership on the innovative ideas that we're coming up with to uh, make the business better, even in a time where a lot of things across the country aren't necessarily better. You know, uh, it may be the worst of times elsewhere, but it really is the best of times in our organization right now. And a lot of that is because of the, the people that we have in our organization and the ownership that they, that they have to create, you know, uh, the life that they want here. Yeah. That was great stuff right there. I really appreciate hearing those insights, Brian. I want to talk a little bit about your wife, about Liz. So you're in a special situation, I guess you could say, where your wife is a top-notch sales rep in our company. She is a Hall of Fame sales rep. She's won a championship silver cup as a sales rep in her competitive category. And you guys get to work together and you know are building what you're building together, both personally and professionally. And I think that's pretty cool. I'd love to hear your perspective on the impact of Liz in your life and in your division and just what it's like working together. Yeah. I mean, obviously well, Elizabeth is awesome. I uh, had a friend that I grew up with in, in high school and 
he texted me a couple of months back and uh, he was uh, with his family in uh, Disney World. And they went to Epcot and uh, the, 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 uh, the fair and show that was at Epcot. And uh, he went up to the booth and said, one of my buddies does really well here. He's like, he's really high up. And uh, they were like, yeah, what's his name? And uh, he goes, Brian Stevenson. The girl goes, oh, yeah. That's Elizabeth Stevenson's husband. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So he texted me and I was like, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of how it is around here. Right. She's, uh, she's the head of the house and the head of the division. And you know, she's, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm her husband, but no, you know, I always joke uh, with people, but I'm really serious. You know, there's B E before Elizabeth and A E after Elizabeth. And uh, <laughs> from, from being a better leader, a better manager, to a better husband, to a better father. I mean, she is constantly just challenging me to be better. And you know, I owe so much of my success uh, in the business to Elizabeth. She is my biggest cheerleader. She's so supportive, you know, and uh, all of my guys, they call her, uh, they call her Mama Liz and, uh, and, and she's the mama bear because she's, she's so protective of, uh, of me because she's just so, she's just so proud of what we've, what we've built, but, uh, easily the single biggest impact, uh, in my life over the last, uh, 10 years. Uh, that is, uh, that is for sure. But, uh, yeah, we're dynamic, dynamic duo, you know, Dave Powders calls it Liz biz. So, uh, every time Elizabeth makes a sale, uh, and post it in our group, me, uh, all of the people put hashtag Liz biz. So, uh, <laughs> She is such a great uh, role model for uh, our organization. And, and one of the things that I'm so proud of, Dan, is how many female leaders we have in our organization right now. Um, when I started, we had zero female managers, zero female CSPs. And we have five female CSPs now, a handful of branch and district managers and, and uh, you know, it's, it's so exciting to see. And she has really spearheaded that. Uh, you know, people will look up to her so much. And, you know, as, uh, as she gave birth to our first daughter this past December, she had one of her best years ever around being pregnant while staying at home uh, with Reese in the, in the early goings. Uh, she had her best January ever. She's had her best May and June ever. She's on pace to have her best year ever uh, during quarantine uh, <laughs> while raising a, uh, a, a, a baby, you know, and it's just so awesome to see. Wow. That, that leadership. And it's awesome to see how the younger females look up to her, you know, and uh, obviously us having a daughter, that's, it's, it's really exciting to, to see that because I know that that's what she's going to be able to provide as a mom, you know, so, so it's, as, as exciting as it is to see her kicking butt in the business, she's just, she is doing such an awesome job as a mom while having her best year ever in sales, supporting me while we have our best year ever across our division. And, um, and, and in the midst of everything that's going on, it just just speaks to the level of how awesome she is. You know, she just said she was in the Hall of Fame. She is she is Hall of Fame through and through. That is for for sure. So it is. Uh, it's been fun working together because we, we really we really do treat this like a family business. You know, we've we've built this uh, we've built this together, and uh, she does a lot of behind the scenes work, whether it's entertaining. You know, when we have people over or giving counsel, relationship counsel to, uh, to the, uh, to the significant others when, uh, when their fiancés or husbands are driving them crazy. And, you know, she's, she's really, she's really been that, that pillar for us and 
just like Tammy was for us. You know, Tammy Reagan, uh, our, our real boss, that's what we always call her, is, uh, you know, she, she's been that, uh, that voice of reason for Elizabeth many, many times. It's just it's exciting to see that, that ripple effect and the love and admiration that our people have for Elizabeth is awesome. Yeah, it's so powerful to have that sort of a partnership happening in your life that uh, it can impact you personally, but also in Liz's case, it impacts the business as well. And it's great to observe from afar. And, you know, I've been grateful to have met Elizabeth a few times. And uh, it certainly is nice to see what you guys are building together there with your family now and uh, in your organization. 100%. You know, I, my, my weakness is I don't brag on her to her probably as much as I should. Uh, but when people ask me about her, man, it's so easy to brag on her. So she's probably going to listen to this and be like, why don't you ever say this to my face? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know, if, the truth, if you asked anybody across our organization, they would, uh, they would echo those words and, and probably more, you know, she's, uh, she's been great, a great partner, uh, obviously in and out of the business. And, uh, it's been exciting, uh, seeing her have her best year ever in, in many, many ways. Obviously she's, uh, a first time mom and just, you know, doing such an awesome job of raising, raising baby Reese. It is a, uh, it's been a joy to watch. Yeah. That's great. Well, Brian, this has been really cool. I think people have uh, heard some awesome stuff from you, got some good insights. As we wind this down, I just wanted to ask you, you know, as you look ahead into the future, five, 10 years or more down the road, how do you aspire to change people's lives through your work or through your influence? Yeah, such a great question there, Dan. You know, I, I remember listening to a podcast that you did with Larry Manley and uh, something that stuck out is he said, you know, um, see people for what they can be. And mm. that's something that I really love about our organization is we really do see people for what they can be. So a big mission of ours is to continue surrounding ourselves with people like that, leaders like that. You know, we, we have a big responsibility with what we do, Dan. I mean, what we do, obviously, you know this, we've been doing this for years, but it has a ripple effect. And the people that we work with and lead, they're the future of our country and communities. And these are people that are going to, you know, be probably teaching my, my daughter and working with my daughter. And I want to have some type of responsibility knowing that uh, we impacted their life for the better. You know, making sure that my district managers are growing into not just great leaders in the business, but great leaders in their communities as well. And, uh, you know, whether that be through charities, you know, obviously that's something that, that we take a lot of pride in in our company. And, but uh, getting involved in their communities and, and not just selling a lot of Cutco. You know, I want our organization to be known as not just somewhere where we sold a lot of knives, but parents were proud that they worked with Vector and Cutco and they're, my respective district manager in that town. You know, I, I beam with pride whenever I, I run into parents that, uh, that have worked with my district managers and they just talk about how uh, their kids brag on that district manager and how they have helped them so much and come out of their comfort zone and manage their time and, you know, uh, be motivated and inspired. And, uh, you know, it's exciting to see the, the difference that our organization is making and, you know, that's, that's one of the great things about Vector, you know, is, is that we are an organization that creates positive change in people's lives and, and really in a time when they need it the most, like you, you said earlier, when they're 19, uh, when they're 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, we're teaching them things that many people don't realize and learn until they're in their late 20s or 30s. And sometimes they never learn, you know, but uh, you know, just 
helping people become the best uh, versions of themselves. And I know that uh, sometimes comes across as cliche, but that's really what we do. You know, that really is our mission is to help them be better. And you know, obviously we want people to stay here forever, you know, because we have such a great opportunity, a great company, but we also know that they're, they're going to go on and do great things elsewhere. And, and we are really proud of that as well. You know, I mean, I, I tell our people all the time that uh, I'm just as proud, sometimes even more proud to have my alumni come back and speak at our conferences about how great their experience was and how it parlayed into a successful uh, career elsewhere. I'm just as proud of that as I am the district managers and CSPs that stick around with us and continue to make a positive uh, uh, impact in, uh, in our business and, and in their respective communities. Yeah, here, here. Definitely, uh, I feel the same way about just being so grateful that uh, we have changed lives for people who are doing amazing things outside of Vector. And then there's a, a lot of lives we've changed of those of us who have stuck around here for a long time as you have and uh, certainly as I have. So really good to hear, Brian. Hey, thanks so much for all of what you've shared today. I really appreciate it. And uh, you are somebody who is one of the most well-liked individuals in all of Vector. And I know that uh, from a leadership perspective in the company that we're very proud to have you as one of our executives and um, grateful for the influence you play and that uh, everybody is rooting for you to continue to thrive and just take it to the highest level and to be a great champion for many, many more years here in our business. So thanks so much for making time to share your insights today. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. It was a uh, it was a pleasure, and uh, like you said, it was a lot of fun uh, sharing uh, and looking back at uh, how great uh, our business is and how blessed we are to uh, work with uh, Vector and Cutco and, and all the people that uh, that have impacted our lives for the better. So this was awesome. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Dan. That was Brian Stevenson. Everyone, definitely one of the real just good guys in Vector a great leader, excellent role model for so many people. A lot of great stuff in this interview. The concept of learning how to be a business owner that he mentioned as he was getting into his early days as a district manager and the importance of that distinction that you are the president and CEO of You Yourself Incorporated. And that concept applies in whatever business you're working in. It also applies and carries over to our personal lives. Interesting to hear about the birth of the seven assistant manager program, which is widespread throughout the Southwest region and much of the company now, the building of larger staffs in a top flight organization and how that was sort of born uh, in a conversation with Lloyd Reagan and about how Lloyd's family is a family of seven. Brian gave some great advice for anyone experiencing uncertainty or challenge right now. The idea that you're not alone, right? That that can change for the better in a quick hurry you're in the right place here. And who are you talking to? Who are the people you're having conversations with? Who are you asking questions of? Right, That that circle of influence that you're establishing is a critical element in determining where you will go and how quickly you will bounce out of challenging times. I loved hearing Brian talk about the thought process about what kind of life do I want to have? What do I want to build? And really clarifying his own vision and then enrolling the people on his team in that vision and the roles that they would play in that and how that would circle back to benefit everybody on the team. So much good stuff in terms of the leadership that Brian provides for his organization. And lastly, uh, shout out to Elizabeth for the success that she has had 
and the influence that she has played in Brian's life personally, of course, and in the organization and as well as uh, throughout the Southwest region and throughout the company as one of our Hall of Fame sales leaders. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to the podcast today. Take three seconds and give us a five rating on your podcast player. We're grateful for your support. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. And if you want access to today's show notes, including links to any resources mentioned, visit changinglivespodcast.com. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. I'll catch you back here in a few days for our next story about changing lives.